Today we're talking with a doctor with a knack for making dough. You're listening to ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Jeff Hertzberg, who's president of Medformatics, a Minneapolis-based consulting firm involved with healthcare information systems. But we're speaking with him today about his other career as co-author of Artisan Bread in Five Minutes, a book that shows us how we can make the most delicious bread in five minutes per day. Welcome, Jeff. Hi, Michael. How are you? All right. Hey, Jeff. How did you get involved with artisan bread? This is a, it's a great story. First of all, you know, the word artisan, let's start with that. People sure. people misunderstand that, and they always pronounce it artesian or something, which is like well water for beer. Right. What is artisan bread? It's what has come to be uh, used to describe really beautiful handmade loaves that are freeform, have big holes, are very chewy, and have a nice crisp crust that you can't really do by buying bread in a supermarket in a plastic bag. Okay. So how did you get involved with artisan bread? Well, I was in my residency, and what better time to get involved with a brand-new, time-consuming hobby? I, I moved to Minneapolis for residency in 1987 for internal medicine, and in my spare time, I decided I had to have homemade bread because... Because there's nothing time, else to do in Minneapolis, right? Well, at, at the time, there wasn't a lot of great bread in Minneapolis, and that was the problem. So there wasn't much to buy. I, I moved here from New York where we still had great sort of corner stores with fantastic bread. And I had grown up with that, and I missed it, and I decided that's what I had, I have a little piece of New York in Minneapolis. And so my wife had been a traditional kind of baker in college, and she taught me the traditional method. And if you put together residency and traditional bread baking method, you can figure there's no time for that. So I started to subtract out parts of the traditional method that just weren't needed. People are already understood that most people can't tell the difference if a dough is needed or not, so I dropped that. People were experimenting with very wet doughs, which are easier and quicker to get all the flour to incorporate if it's very wet. And finally, I read a couple people who had talked about in their books storing the dough for a day or two, and that's where the innovation came in, because I just started storing it. Well, if you could store it for a day or two, why can't you store it for three or four or five or six or a week or two weeks? And that became the innovation, because if you store all the dough in advance for four or eight loaves, you can make bread on the spur of the moment for dinner tonight. That's sort of what happened. So I went on a, a radio show with that idea. I just called in to Lynn Rosetto Casper's Splendid Table Show and asked her how you get a book like that into print. And I said, well, I'm going to get a book out. And she said, this is great. And she gave me all this advice. And to make a long story short, an editor was listening to the show and called and asked for a book proposal. That's kind of how this started. Wow. So you have a co-author on this book, Zoe. Yeah, Zoe Francois is a pastry chef who I met some years later, and that's what actually made it possible to get it to happen. Okay. So tell us the story of the book. I mean, there's so many listeners out there who are doctors, who are writers, who go like, oh, this is just like too good to believe. You know, I, I want to go on the radio and create a book too. It's not the easiest thing in the world, is it? <laughs> it's not the easiest thing. Well, basically, before I met Zoe, uh, so I had this offer for a publisher. It was St. Martin's Press, which is ultimately who we went with. And they said, great, send us a proposal. And my second child was on the way then, and I just never finished it. I, never, I just never did it. It's fairly difficult to write a book all by yourself. I never could have done this alone. And part of that is the writing and the creating. Part of it is that I'm not a chef. I'm not somebody who uses a lot of cookbooks. I really had no idea how to take this to the next step. And then... I met Zoe taking care of our kids. We had each of our kids in a, in a music class, and we met, and we started talking about flour and yeast. She's a pastry chef. She was trained at the Culinary Institute of America. Wait, wait. I, I've seen her picture on your website. You started just talking about flour and yeast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, because she's really good looking. <laughs> 
This is what parents talk about is food. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Diapers, yeah. Diapers. Uh, we were already tired of that. This was our, the second kid for each of us. She said, you, you have to go back to them. It was so embarrassing because I had dropped the proposal completely. And to make a long story short, we did the proposal together. And then ultimately we did a book together. And the other thing she brought in was this whole universe of sweet doughs, brioches and caramel rolls and a million things that, that are the whole second half of the book now. So half the book is uh, desserts, half the book is traditional crisp breads, European-style breads. Desserts in five minutes a day, too? The complicated desserts aren't quite five minutes. The five minutes a day is the active time for preparing the basic crispy loaves. Okay. So let's talk more about the bread. Five minutes a day, seriously. Are you just taking dough out of the refrigerator yeah. and putting it into a mold or mixing it or doing something and popping it in the oven? First of all, the disclaimer is the five minutes a day is the active time. So when you're actually doing something, so not the time it's baking in the oven and you're doing something else, not the time it's rising on a counter. There's two periods of active time. First, when you mix the large batch, you're going to mix four or eight loaves at once in a bucket. And we, we minimize the cleanup, too, so we do things in buckets instead of bowls. It takes me about 10 to 15 minutes to mix up the four to eight loaves. So flour, water, yeast, salt go in a bucket. I take a spoon and mix it. You could do it in a machine, and that's fine. So 15 minutes divided by four or eight loaves. So right, right away, you're, you're down to just a few minutes a day for the initial mixing. And then that sits in your fridge after it rests on the counter for two hours, also passive time. And then every day you want bread, you just take it out, tear off a piece, use a knife, you briefly shape it, under a minute, we generally say, and then let it sit passively for 40 minutes to an hour. Then it goes into the oven for about a half hour. So the active time each day is only 30 to 60 seconds to add on to your initial mix. And nobody has ever published anything like this before, even though it's probably true that the raw ingredients for doing something like this have been out there. Nobody was willing to suggest storing the dough for two weeks. All right, hold on. If you've just joined us, you are not on the wrong channel. You are not listening to the cooking channel. You are listening to ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Hertzberg, talking about his second career as the co-author of Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day, the book that he says will have us abandon the stuff we usually eat and bake our own wonderful fresh bread every day. So, yes, this is Reach MDXM 157. Jeff, okay, is it really that good? It's really that good. If you look at our reviews on our website, which is artisanbreadin5.com. I have, yeah. Um, if you go to our reviews, we've gotten fantastic reviews from the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, both Minneapolis papers, of course, a slew of regional newspapers all across the country, and also on Lynn Rosetto Casper's radio show where she actually tasted the bread on air. And the bread is very good. One of the things that happens with this bread is over the two weeks you're storing it, you start to develop sourdough notes. So if you make a loaf on day zero or day one, it's not going to have that intense sort of sourdough flavor, but later on it begins to develop that. And that's something to think about when you're evaluating what you think of the flavor. If you like that flavor, wait a few days before you bake off your first Okay, book. well, forget the New York Times, because this is the show that's going to make the book. <laughs> this is it. And doctors across America will be making bread. So sourdough notes, do you, do you ever worry, like, about ergot or things like that or something bad growing in that bread in two weeks? Well, I mean, really, keeping yeasted flour and water around is an old technique. We know that there's all this overgrowth of the primary yeast, you don't have a lot of pathogens growing in there. Now, if anybody ever gets mold on it because they've kept it too long, obviously that gets thrown away. I can't imagine why anybody would ever get that storing it at two weeks. You have a tremendous yeast overgrowth that's pretty much keeping out everything else. Okay, so you've got a career here with Medformatics, this Minneapolis-based consulting firm. Are you having more fun with the second career? I mean, how much time does it take? Obviously, it, 
was crucial to have a co-author because I'm trying to do three things at once. I'm a part-time academic at University of Minnesota. We have a health computer science division. I teach in there. I've got my consulting practice, and now I've got the book. The book is obviously a tremendously fun hobby that turned into something fairly successful. We were the number three hardcover cookbook on BookScan last month, which means all sellers, Amazon and all the bricks-and-mortar sellers as well. So it's been fairly successful for a cookbook. Certainly not going to quit my day job. It's, it's been pretty fun, though. So you're making more bread at Medformatics, huh? Yeah, invariably. That's always going to be the way it is. Okay. I looked on Amazon. You have some great reader reviews. Yeah. All right. Are you selling lots of books and making lots of bread? Does Amazon still rank books? Yeah. Uh, What's your rank? I know as a writer, we love to look at our ranks. Sure. Mine's, mine's like 1,843,000 or something. Well, they do it by categories. So for bread, we're the number one cookbook on Amazon. For baking, we've been the number one cookbook on Amazon for a while, sometimes number two. But overall, all books, last month, which was the big month for us when we went to the, that uh, number, whatever I said it was, uh, number three slot, we were number 73 on Amazon of all books, and now we're about number 300. Wow, that's awesome. Let's, yeah. go, let's go back to the process of writing the books. I've done it myself. Sure. Who taught you how to do the book proposal, or did you go get one of those books out of the library and read it? Uh, we have an agent who's excellent. Her name is Jane Distel, and she has a model and a format, and she went over and over and over and over it with us. So okay. That was fun. How many drafts of the book did you write before it was actually ready for publication? Well, it was such an organic thing. I mean, we, we wrote it through, and then we just kept revising it. I, I, don't know, I don't know how many unique drafts that would be. It seemed endless last summer, just going over and over and over it. And the frustration is, in a, in a technical book, like a cookbook, there's still going to be mistakes that slip through. And we've made our website sort of integral to the book. And so we've got a posting of errors that are in the book, and also we respond to the reader's questions. So when they say, how do you form the dough in the first place, we actually are back and forth with them all the time. Do you take calls in the middle of the day? Can I call you at Medformatics and well, ask you? Well, you can, for sure. Okay, ask you about the Wonder Bread that I want to make? <laughs> you can make a white sandwich loaf. It's pretty good. Okay. Would you write another book? We are pulling together a proposal, and there's going to be more of a health angle. So whereas this book was the traditional European approach to bread, which tends to be based on white flour, the health angle that everybody's interested in right now is how do you do something similar for whole grains and how do you do a gluten-free. And So we are working on that, and that proposal is uh, forming. Wow, you're going to be the bread doctor of America soon. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the rest of your life. Well, I was uh, in internal medicine practice here in the Twin Cities and uh, got interested in health computer science uh, in about 1990, 1991. I was in a big staff model HMO that was about to commit to an electronic health record. And I had somebody had just put a Macintosh computer on my desk. This is my wife. I said, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen because it can connect the information to the content just by clicking, which, of course, is, is commonplace now on the web. And uh, I started playing around with that for, for studying for the internal medicine boards, and that was very helpful. And started sitting on committees and said, oh, this is, this is too interesting. So I ended up doing a fellowship in health informatics, a National Library of Medicine fellowship here at University of Minnesota. Stayed on the faculty forever after I got my degree, and that sort of is what really changed my life, sort of opened up vistas and saying you don't have to do just one thing all the time because once I started the consulting practice, time became a very flexible and fluid thing, which was obviously very different in my in my. Uh, in let's my let's practice. say that again because we have lots of listeners out there, doctors who are frustrated. They think that they're stuck in a rut. Say that again. You don't have to do just one thing. Right. I mean, if, if you're smart enough to go to medical school and take care of patients, you're smart enough to figure out a way to sort of manage your life and manage your time so you can be involved in multiple interesting projects at once. And have fun. And have fun. But the truth is I couldn't have done it without that fellowship, which really nothing ever sort of hit me over the head 
with that idea. I mean, it, when you're in the practice and seeing patients every day, it's hard. It is hard to see that unless someone is helping you. So I so I started a consulting practice, which has been going for about 13 years now. I help people create information structures to capture the important data around chronic diseases is typically what I'm doing. Helping people create databases about diabetes, hypertension, cholesterol, and how that sort of take making interventions is going to change the outcomes of those diseases long term. Okay, Jeff, thanks for being our guest today and telling us about your book, Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day. And also, thank you more importantly for pointing out to physicians across America that you can do fun, interesting things in your life and still have your medical career. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMDXM is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library, including this show. Register on the website and enter promo code RADIO for six months of free podcasts, and we truly thank you for listening. 